Today's case took place in 2017 in the city of Rosemont, near Chicago in the USA. It was marked by numerous controversies caused by rife speculation on the internet. Part of the evidence was videos shared on social media apps which were later deleted, causing even more confusion. Today I'm going to talk about the case of Kanika Jenkins, who disappeared after leaving a party in the middle of the night, but was found dead less than 24 hours later, in the same hotel where the party had taken place. Kanika Jenkins was born on May 27, 1998. At the time that this event happened, in 2017, she was 19 years old and living with her mother, Teresa Martin, and two sisters, one older and one younger, in Chicago, Illinois. On a Friday, September 8, 2017, Kanika asked to borrow her mother's car, saying she was going to go bowling at the mall or maybe the cinema, with two friends, Irene Roberts and Monifer Shelton, to celebrate her new job. She had just gotten a position as a receptionist at a nursing home, and this new job was starting on Monday. But in reality, Kanika and her friends were going to a party that was taking place in one of the rooms at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Booking a hotel room and inviting people to listen to music, dance and drink is not something that hotels allow, but it does happen with a certain frequency, even without management's consent. Even knowing that the chances of this ending in their financial loss and appearing in a police report, teenagers always prefer to take the risk. The party that Kanika and her friends went to took place in room 926, and according to investigations, there were 30 people present. Furthermore, it appears that before arriving at the location, the group had met up with a contact to buy drinks and drugs. The three were observed entering the hotel, but not through the main door. They used an alternative entrance at around 1.15am on Saturday. The little details that are known about this party come from photos, videos and social media entries posted by the young people who attended. They had loud music various types of drinks, and possibly harder drugs. It was in these records that Kanika could be seen drinking a lot of what many said was cognac and also dancing and having fun. Guests in other apartments began to complain about the noise, the movement in the corridors on the ninth floor and the strong smell of cigarettes. The party-goers had disabled the room's smoke detectors it was clear that these young people did not care about the danger. At around 3.10am, after many complaints, it seemed like the party was coming to an end, and Kanika, who was highly intoxicated, decided to leave along with her friends. But while they were waiting for the elevator, Kanika realised that she had left her mobile phone and keys in the room. The friends left Kanika in the hallway and went to retrieve her belongings, it was clear that Kanika herself barely knew where she was and wasn't going to be able to help. This was a decision that forever changed her life. No one stayed with her in the hallway and it took Irene and Monifer more than 15 minutes to return. When they did, Kanika was gone. The girls looked for their friend. They looked in the stairwell, 
hallways, lobby, pool area, gym, convention rooms, parking lot, but they could not find Kanika. They returned to the party room, which at that time was practically empty. Not knowing what else to do, at 4.34am, they called Teresa to say her daughter had disappeared. Now imagine that difficult situation, guys. Teresa had just undergone cancer treatment and was still in bed. Cell phone message records show that while Teresa was convalescing and in pain, she had asked Kanika to keep an eye on her cell phone as she might need the car back to go to the hospital if she didn't feel well. But given the scenario, Teresa did what most mothers would do. She summoned in herself an inexplicable warrior strength and went in search of her daughter. Arriving at the hotel, Teresa, together with her two daughters, asked the receptionist to let her look at the security cameras. She said her daughter was missing and she was worried that some man might have taken her or coerced the young girl into a room. At that moment, terrible thoughts were going through her head. The hotel refused to access the cameras saying that to do so, they would need a police warrant. Kanika's friends immediately began to post some videos online, saying that the hotel was not helping them to find her. The hotel, legally, cannot provide or even show images from internal security cameras to guests, much less to those coming from outside. These images are the private property of the hotel, which in turn has an ethical commitment towards guest privacy. The receptionist explained that if her daughter was missing, she needed to file a police report, and then the police would come to the hotel and be able to access the camera images. Without their presence there, they couldn't do anything. There is a serious protocol that governs this matter, but it must also be said that no one at the hotel had the sensitivity or empathy to help them in any other way, such as asking an employee to analyse the images in privacy, for example. 911, where's the address of emergency? Yes, I'm at the Crown, uh, Crown Plaza at O'Hare Airport, and I was calling because my daughter came to, this, to a party here last night, a gathering with her friends, and... Um, now her friends, they say that they left on the front of the hotel and she's not able to be found now. She's 19 years old. Her name is Kanika Jenkins. The room, the room wasn't registered in her name. She came with some friends here. Do you think it's possible maybe she went to one of her friends' houses or, you know, she's probably... No, actually, because she had my car. She was driving my car. You know, I don't like nobody to drive my car because my insurance will not pay for nobody, no one besides her. And um, her friends kept calling my phone. I told them to stay out here. They stayed out here, but they called me like about three time in the morning. I was laying in the bed. I just had breast surgery. At breast, you know, I was I fought a breast cancer. So I'm, you know, sedated off medication at early. And they telling me, see out here, so once I rejuvenated... Teresa called 911, explained what was happening in a calm call that lasted about 10 minutes. The police ended up telling her to wait until 10 or 11 in the morning and that if Kanika didn't show up, she should go in person to the police station to file a police report. And so that is exactly what happened. Teresa went to the police station that morning 
and returned to the hotel sometime later with police officers. Two investigators plus the hotel's day manager began analysing the images, focusing on the entrances and exits. At first, they found nothing. Consider that there are several cameras that would have to be rewound and re-watched for hours. So this is not a quick process. Also, the resolution is not that perfect, and every time someone passes the screen, they have to stop to analyse whether or not that's who they were looking for. While the police analysed the images with the hotel's management, a group of protesters made up of Kanika's family and friends formed at the entrance to the hotel. They demanded a thorough investigation and they wanted answers as to where Kanika was. Several live broadcasts were made asking the authorities for help, including Teresa Martin herself, where she begged for attention to be focused on the disappearance. Hours passed and the night manager took over and continued to analyse the cameras alongside the police. It wasn't until around 10pm that they got the first image of Kanika, where she was staggering near the reception at 3.20am. From here, you will know exactly what happened to Kanika Jenkins. At 3.25am, she is seen leaving the elevator in the main corridor of the hotel. It is clear that she was not well. She did not seem to know which direction to go, continually losing her balance, but continuing to walk. 34 seconds later, she is seen climbing the stairs to the lobby, still staggering a lot, supporting himself so as not to fall. For a few seconds, she even walks bent over, supporting herself with her shoulder and head against the wall. At 3.26 and 13 seconds, she appears on the camera in the first floor hallway. The images make us wonder how she didn't fall, as it was possible to see how unbalanced her body was. Perhaps it would be a stumble that would have saved her life. This specific corridor seemed endless. Kanika walked in a zigzag fashion and never seemed to reach the other side. At 3.27 and 44 seconds, she entered the hotel's kitchen, which was completely empty. 30 seconds later, she passed by the electric ovens. At 3.29, she is seen leaving the kitchen through another corridor, losing her balance at times. She hit the handrail of a staircase, but in a quick act she held on and didn't fall. Once again, you can see that she did not know where she was going as she went back and forth in circles. At 3.29 and 48 seconds, this same camera captures her returning to the corridor she had just left, but she immediately enters the first door on the side, leaving the place 48 seconds later. Kanika returned to the hallway where she had come from, and 20 seconds later returned to the kitchen door from which she had exited minutes before. At 3.32 and 42 seconds, she is seen heading towards the back of the kitchen, where the refrigerators and freezers are. This was the last time Kanika was seen on camera. With this information, at midnight and 24 on the 10th, less than 24 hours after the disappearance, the hotel manager went to the refrigerator area. 
and inside the locked freezer, he found Kanika's body. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você... Venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo, a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca. Porque, afinal de contas, é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui, no Pátria Amada Criminal. Quando ela foi encontrada, ela estava face down, sem uma das suas sneakers, que were actually inside, mas não on her foot. There was no sign of trauma other than a small opening on this bare foot. Minutes later, numerous police officers arrived at the scene. The place was surrounded until legal procedures were carried out. Teresa, outside, was informed of the terrible discovery. She asked to go to the place and see her daughter, but was prevented from doing so, as the area was closed for forensic analysis and the entry of third parties could contaminate the scene. Teresa had to wait, and that wait was long. Despite being empty, as it was not used frequently, the freezer was on and working. The freezer temperature was only measured after the door was opened, and it was 34 degrees Fahrenheit, that is 1 degree Celsius. And it is possible to see from the cameras that at 4.53 a.m., She lay on a stretcher for a few minutes until Teresa arrived 14 minutes later. Teresa and one of her daughters arrive at the scene to recognize the body, and it is a heartbreaking scene. Having recently undergone surgery for breast cancer, Teresa can't stand it and bursts into tears. On October 27th, the autopsy results indicated that Kanika's death was accidental due to hypothermia. In the tests carried out, a considerable amount of alcohol was found in her blood and also a medication for epilepsy and migraines called topiramate, which is widely used illegally as an aid for weight loss. This medication, according to the website RxList, can cause several reactions when mixed with alcohol. Some of them are drowsiness, dizziness, nervousness, ataxia, fatigue, speech disorders, changes in reasoning, changes in vision, difficulty remembering, mental confusion, coordination problems, imbalance and psychotic symptoms. This medication was not prescribed to Kanika and she probably acquired it at the party to use as a recreational drug. Cerebral edema was also observed But this condition was not associated with the cause of death. It was something that she must have had for a long time but was unaware of. The city's police department issued a statement the same day, saying that although foul play was not suspected, the investigation had not yet been completed. The Crown Plaza Hotel offered to pay for Kanika's funeral, which cost around $23,000 but the family declined the offer. From the moment the police report was made until November 2017, when the case was closed, 34 witnesses were interviewed. An activist called Andrew Holmes, 
who was involved in the case from the early hours when Teresa Martin went live asking for help, ended up setting up a Facebook page where he would publicise the facts and also raise funds to bring justice to the case. He wrote a long public letter criticising the investigation and requesting FBI intervention. Teresa Martin later clarified that she never gave him authorization to use her daughter's case to raise funds or to use it in political debate. However, even though Teresa spoke out, many internet users joined the wave of conspiracy theories created by Andrew. The letter he wrote was posted before the conclusion of the investigations. It contained some theories, accusations, that undoubtedly impacted the case and deserved to be investigated. He started to list several points, of which I will leave space between each one to give brief explanations. One, why was the cold room on if the kitchen was not used? The answer to this question is that cold rooms like freezers cannot be left unplugged for long periods of time. For those who have a beach house, for example, that they only visit once in a while, where there are refrigerators, we know that these equipment can never be turned off. 2. Testimonies from Kanika's friends remained inconsistent as to what exactly happened after the party. They told Kanika's mother that they had gone downstairs with her, but in fact they left her alone to go get a cell phone from one of the hotel rooms. Okay, that actually happened. The girls said something to their mother at the beginning of it all, afraid to admit that they had left her alone. The camera images show that Kanika walked alone the entire time on the hotel premises and unfortunately ended up going into the freezer, alone. This is an argument that does not change the facts, nor influence the outcome of the investigation into the case. 3. The footage and all other documents relating to the Kanika case were released to the public on October 20th, 2017, and by releasing the documents, the police compromised the case. The authorization for the release of the images, including the images containing the body, were authorized by Kanika's mother, who legally represents the victim. 4. The body was moved before the medical examiner arrived. Yes, it was. The employee who came down took a photo of her lying on her stomach with his cell phone and turned it over to see if she was alive. He shouldn't have done that, but he did. And that opens the door for the accusation that there was a fault in the investigation. 5. Evidence collection was poorly handled. The police dispute this fact and while the activist and Kanika's family accused the hotel of having removed part of the footage or even of having erased the images from a camera facing the freezer's door, both the hotel and the police deny the existence of such a camera at that location. 6. The coroner's assistant was seen on video taking an unidentified object from his coat pocket. He then places the same object under the blanket, on the stretcher, with Kanika Jenkins's body. This object was a temperature gauge used in body examinations. 7. The crime scene was not sealed. It was. 
so much so that Teresa herself could only approach after more than four hours when authorised. 8. The entire hotel, including the parking lot and the parameters specified in the police procedure, should have been closed. Closing the hotel would have been an exaggerated response, when the area where the body was found was already sealed. Closing an entire hotel, an entire shopping mall for example, largely depends on what the police consider to be necessary for their investigation. 9. There was a substance in Kanika's stomach that appeared to be semen. There was nothing like that found in the autopsy, and her body showed no signs of physical abuse. It's hard to know where he got this assumption from. 10. Her clothing showed signs of struggle. Kanika's bra was pulled up on one side, exposing one of her breasts, and her pants were unbuttoned. According to the New England Journal of Medicine, symptoms of hypothermia depend on the temperature to which the body is exposed. In mild hypothermia, there may be goosebumps to mental confusion. In moderate hypothermia, shaky reactions and mental confusion increase. In severe hypothermia, there may be paradoxical stripping, in which a person removes their clothing as well as a risk of cardiac arrest. This occurs because the body reacts with heat exchange and the extreme external cold causes, at a certain moment, immense internal heat. So it is very common that, before the final collapse, the person takes off their clothes. 11. In the hotel shoot, Kanika doesn't have fringe on her hair, but in the body shots, she has it. The hair is also soaked. Due to the humidity in the hair and the freezer temperature, it ended up being damp. Regarding the fringe, Kanika was wearing a wig that day and her fringe were combed to the sides during the hotel filming. She probably touched her hair in the freezer. 12. They did not collect DNA or other biological material from her nails to be tested. Correct. They didn't even harvest it and this was never explained. 13. Kanika's body was listed as frozen but was not given enough time to thaw properly for autopsy. The body was never frozen. This was the hotel employee's amateurish description when he radioed the police officer who was analysing the cameras. He said something like, She's here in the freezer, frozen to death. But as I said, this was an amateurish description from a person who did not have the technical knowledge to differentiate between death caused by freezing and death from hypothermia. 14. The police did not check whether the video footage was edited before closing the case. This is very unlikely considering that the police arrived at approximately six hours after the hotel became aware of her disappearance. They then took almost 14 hours to find the first images of Kanika. So it is practically impossible that in six hours, someone at the hotel edited everything prior to the police arriving. At the end of 2017, after the case was closed and judged to have been an accident, a Chicago law firm contacted the family and offered help by proposing action against the hotel and the others involved. They displayed photos of a freezer door, showing that there was a lock button on the outside 
and suggested that someone may have inadvertently locked the freezer door. This was contradicted by the security camera, which recorded no one other than Kanika and the employee who was looking for her entering the kitchen. Later, it was also seen that the freezer in their photo was not the same brand as the one at the hotel. The lawyers also claimed that the hotel failed to properly look for Kanika. If they had done so, they would have been able to locate her before she passed away. They claimed that the hotel had the means to lock down the area, the kitchen, as it had many padlocked access doors and this was not done. As a result, the family claimed to have suffered tremendous mental and physical pain and suffering, humiliation and lost wages. They had to leave work to follow the case. For these losses, the lawyers were asking for $50 million. They also posted this public note on their website on December 17th, 2018. At Beam Legal Team, LLC, we are proud to represent Miss Martin as she seeks appropriate compensation for the loss of her daughter and the pain and suffering her daughter endured while slowly freezing to death in this tragic, avoidable accident. Attorneys Jack Beam, Matthew Patterson and Ryan Timoney are currently representing Miss Martin and we have partnered with Figa Law, a Michigan-based personal injury firm, in order to ensure her case is as strong and effectual as possible. Another thing to note about this case is that at no point does anyone talk about Kanika herself. No one talks about what she did at school, what she liked, nothing. So much so that it's very difficult to find any information on the internet. Everyone just talks about the case. Kanika's wake was held two days after her death, before the investigation reports had come out. It was well attended, but there were many strangers there holding signs asking for justice for Kanika. Teresa Martin is completely cured of her cancer and is healthy. The lawsuit filed by the family against the hotel is still ongoing. Even though Kanika didn't tell her mother where she was going that night, she acted like many teenagers do at that age. At the party, which took place in an inappropriate and prohibited location, it was too dangerous. Her friends, who could have been keeping an eye on her, didn't. The hotel's surveillance was faulty. A sequence of poor decisions and bad actions solely and exclusively affected Kanika. Kanika Jenkins was a beautiful girl who lost the chance to experience many wonderful things in life. Despite the sad way it all ended, this case at least serves as a cautionary tale for many of us. Hey! Você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você, venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca, porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. 